This is the Mountain Vision Podcast, where we share our obsession with hunting in the outdoors and talk waterfowl and big game hunting. Whether we're waterfowl hunting in the Sacramento Valley with the Sutter Buttes as our backdrop, or deer hunting in the Sierras, one thing is for certain, our vision of the mountains is a hard one to shake. Listen along as I interview outdoorsmen that have inspired me, and you might find inspiration from them as well. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Mountain Vision Podcast. This is episode number 10. Um, first of all, I just want to take a minute just to kind of thank everybody for listening and for the support and for the feedback I've been getting. And everybody I've been talking to has been super positive and uh, just great feedback. And um, yeah, everybody I've talked to so far has been really cool. Uh, you know, whether, they, whether they've been just on social media or actually on the podcast or whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I just wanted to kind of take a minute first, uh, double digit. We're in the double digits now. We're episode number 10. So feeling, feeling like we're getting somewhere, but yeah, no, I'm having, I'm having fun, man. This is, this has been really fun so far and, um, been meeting some people and yeah, it's been fun and I can't wait to kind of move forward and keep going with it. Um, looking forward to the hunting season coming up, looking f- having fun kind of getting the bow all dialed in and um, still need to kind of double check the rifle, but, but uh, scouting trips, stuff like that, getting gear all dialed in. It's, it's fun. I'm just getting excited. So yeah. Anyways, on this episode, I, I talked to Joey Ploche. Uh, most of you probably already know who he is. He runs the hunt, the California hunting addiction page on Instagram. Um, So, yeah, so that's California underscore hunting underscore addiction. Or his personal page is Joey underscore Ploche. So, yeah, check him out if you haven't already. Um, His page is really cool. I like what he does with with the California Hunting Addiction page. He basically just posts, like, all the kind of local California hunting success stories and pictures and stuff. And it's cool. It's motivational for me. Um, anyways, and I know it is for a lot of other people, um, just the frustrations and stuff that we go through trying to find success in the field. And, um, it's nice to see other people's success stories and kind of, kind of push you to try a little bit harder and, um, motivate you to get out there and, and keep learning. Um, so yeah, I like what he's doing with it. He also uses the page to kind of bring the community community together in ways like there's been a couple disasters and like uh like the campfire and i think the fire up in santa rosa i think it was that he kind of used his his page in the following to get people together um to bring water and food and and goods and stock trailers and stuff to to help people in need in those areas during those disasters it was it was, it was cool to see um, but yeah, go, go check out his page, give him some support and, um, yeah, stay tuned. It was, it was a good conversation. I really enjoyed talking to Joey. So stay tuned. Thanks. So what's going on, man? Nothing much. Just hanging out. Right on. Early, early day at work. So it's nice to kind of relax for once. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you get a pretty early start too, huh? <laughs> so- yeah. Today we had a, uh, uh, 4am start in San Francisco, so. Okay. That was that was a little brutal. You yeah. Get up at two thirty to make it. Oh damn. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, man. A lot of guys seem like they get up early. I used to get up like that, but luckily I don't have to anymore. But <laughs> but because you're from the San Jose area or something, right? I am. I'm like San Jose, Saratoga area. Okay. So, yeah, about 45 minutes away to an hour from San Francisco. Okay. Nice. What do you, what do you, you're a, what do you do for work? You're like a pipe fitter, right? Yeah. So I'm local 38 pipe fitter. I'm an apprentice. Um, we have a five year program. So I'm on the last year home stretch. Oh, you're almost there. I am. <laughs> so you, uh, doing like an apprenticeship program or something? I am. Yeah. So I'm, uh, what going in ninth period now? I don't know. The school's all messed up now with this covid stuff oh yeah but uh they're trying to figure out how we're going to finish our schooling at least but yeah i got one more year out of five years so nice getting there hell yeah money's getting a little bit better every year huh oh it is (laughs) as much as i hate san francisco like you can't beat the money yeah definitely pays well yeah exactly yeah I, i used to work down there a lot but we were not we weren't union for the company I was working for then and and we were just getting paid Sacramento wages and having to drive down there. I mean they were paying for our hotels but and and I drove a company vehicle, but other than that it was like not worth it really. That's a haul still. Yeah. That's that's definitely a that's a mission and a half. Yeah, it was tough. I mean it was just kind of the the way the way we lived. It was normal for me, but it you know, and when, once I started having kids and stuff, it was like, dude, I, I'm not doing that anymore. Living in hotel rooms and stuff. Yep. <laughs> you know? That was, uh, that was me in the beginning for probably the first, I don't know, three and a half years. Yeah. I was working from San Jose to Nevada and, uh, no traffic. That was like an hour and a half. Okay. Um, and on the way home, it could be anywhere from like two to three hours. Yeah. And running seven twelves a couple of nights, I was like, "Nope, I'm staying up here. I'm gonna stay in a hotel. <laughs> it's not no worth kidding. trying to fall asleep on the way home." Yeah, yeah. If you can, yeah. If you don't have kids, and you know, you can, you can hustle and and do it and get ahead or whatever. Then get it out of the way while you're young, and then it's not too bit, be- not too big of a deal. But exactly, I was doing all the overtime I could before deer season hit. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding, huh? <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, just it seems like just like a few of the other guys I've talked to, it's like I was hoping to meet a lot of you guys at the at that broadhead shoot this year and it got canceled and kind of a bummer. But I know. I I was actually wanting to go out there for it. I forget the date that it was, but uh It was like May um, or something. Yeah, it was it was better than I went to uh Total Archery Challenge one year and I was the opener of archery. I was like, it was a blast, but I'm like, I'm never doing that again. I, I can't miss the opener again. I know it's hard to, yeah, yeah. It's it's like an exciting event, but at the same time, it's like, dude, this is really bad timing. <laughs> yeah, and half the people were talking to me were like, oh yeah, it's our opening weekend. They kind of looked at us crazy, like, what are you doing here, then? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually but, going to that archery shoot up in at Homewood this weekend, and it's not. Oh, there you go. And I'm not really hunting a zone this this season i'm um i'm just kind of holding off i think for d3 through five. Oh, do you have do you have an ao tag yeah i have an ao tag i just i haven't i just i'm I'm pretty new into archery i've only been shooting a bow for a little over a year now so like um and i just I, i'm not familiar really with 
hunting a zone, so I don't even. I, I mean, I obviously I could figure it out just by Onyx and in Google Earth and stuff, but I don't know. I, I almost just feel like I'm kind of I'm right at the base of the Sierras, so I'm just used to going up there. Yeah. So I just kind of know the areas more, and I just I don't know. Especially at this point in the season, I'm like, dude, I, I should probably just put more of my time into like scouting up there. I think I don't know. <laughs> See, I'm the opposite. I'm really. I was kind of well, San Jose, and then we have a ranch that's an hour away so since i could walk i grew up at a ranch basically come summertime and so that's all i'm used to is a zone okay and uh the d zones are super unfamiliar to me i've started i don't know maybe the past five to six years i think it has been i've been hunting up there trying to figure it out but it's different than that open country that's what i'm used to sitting down and glassing and yeah. spot and stock and the d zone at least where i'm hunting at is a whole another story just thick timber or something or exactly i've started to hunt a little bit of the low country um and that's somewhat similar in the oaks and the a little bit of the br- lower brush so i've been able to class more and kind of feel a little more comfortable but i hunt low and then i kind of hunt up high the majority of the time okay um kind of a spot that we used to do big trips up to when I was basically where I learned how to ride dirt bikes up in the Sierras. And, uh, it was kind of funny. I met one dude through social media, uh, Rory Churchfield. He, uh, he was like, Hey, I'll be up here in this area. And I kind of looked at, I was like, Oh, that's where I learned how to ride dirt bikes and did all that during when I was younger and ended up meeting him up there kind of on a whim. And next thing I know I've been, that's where I've been hunting at the past five years, just about, Oh, okay. Nice. And so it makes it easier, but for me, it's still high country and thick stuff that I still am trying to learn how to hunt. Yeah. I know it's almost just more of like uh, like still hunting style in the thick stuff, huh? Exactly. And, and I just want to find the open spots and try to glass it, but everything I keep hearing from everyone is hunt the thick stuff and move slow and, yeah. and just get away from everyone as you can for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I run into guys that seem like they kind of do everything. I don't know. I kind of do both too. Like I I'm kind of like you like I like to glass and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, um but then I find myself like finding, you know, drive, you know, hop taking a road or something and finding a creek and then walking the creek and finding tracks and then before you know it I'm like still hunting through the thick stuff and you know, it's kind of like do do it all sort of, I guess. Exactly, and that's and I'm used to a zone where if you find a deer trail, it's pretty much like beating down the dirt where, where I'm at. I don't, I well maybe until the past three years, I've never seen a trail until I really start looking a lot better and I go, Oh crap. All right. This is what the trails look like. They don't look like the a zone trails. They're yeah. a little more discreet kind of thing. Yeah. I know. It's weird how it just depends on the, uh, you know, whatever, whatever the ground covering is in the area. Like that's what makes it hard in the, higher country and like granite and stuff it's like dude you can't really see trails dude it's like you know what i mean it's like i don't know i'm in i'm in the same boat with that it's i didn't know what i was looking for i didn't know what i was getting into and hunting a zone with our ranch and everything it was i always bought two tags for a zone and for the most part i filled them every year and it was just something i was comfortable with and then the whole social media thing kicked in and i've seen the bigger bucks and yeah. And that's kind of what I wanted to start chasing was something bigger than just the, for the most part, the genetics at our ranch are, are fork and horns anywhere from 
14 inches up to, if we're lucky, an 18 to 20 inch buck. Okay. And social media came in and I see all the big four by fours and three by threes. And I was like, well, I might have a shot at something bigger if I start hunting somewhere else and kind of jumped out of my comfort zone to go do that. Yeah. That's cool. You get to kind of do both. What's the, I guess the drive of drive for you to get up there is what, like three, three or four hours, huh? Yeah, it's about four. It's about four hours to, what was it? Four hours till I hit dirt roads and then about anywhere from a half hour to 45 minutes to where I could park and then kind of start hunting from there. Okay. So it's a mission, but driving doesn't bug me at least. Yeah. So <laughs> especially it's just, yeah. I was, I do weekend trips. I'd get off work on Friday and get up there Friday night, kind of unpack my stuff and pack it up and then take off hiking, wake up and start hunting kind of thing. Yep. Nice. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, I followed your, uh, the California hunting addiction page that you have on Instagram for a while. It's, I just, I love what you do with that, man. It's like, it's cool. It's cool to yeah. just see. That's kind of one thing that made me want to do the podcast is just like, it's fun hearing like local stories and seeing local success and stuff. Like, especially like in, for me anyways, like I get like discouraged sometimes and it's nice to like see someone, like see people succeeding and it like pushes me a little bit harder. <laughs> Yeah, and it, and that's kind of the whole reason why I started it was, I mean, you see the Eastmans and every other kind of magazine or YouTube channel out there out of state, but you never saw that huge focus on California, and that's kind of what I wanted to do is to share a little bit more of the focus on California, which which has been fun because I've met a lot of people and you get to see a lot of different people's success stories from A Zone from down south up to here. Yeah. Hell yeah, and up dude. north, so it's it's been fun. It's something I never expected to get where it's at with the following and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, hell yeah, man. Yeah, it's cool. It's it's almost like it kind of like brought like some like a type of community together, huh? Like everybody, like it, a lot of guys have become friends over it, and like I know you guys. It's like when those fires happen, you guys all like came together and took a like took a what did you guys do? Like a caravan up there with like goods and water and like stock trailers and stuff to help out the people at the campfire yeah and, yeah yeah there was a couple different fires that we've done um and that was more just kind of using the social media platform that i had through the hunting community and i knew how tight it was and how helpful people can be yeah um and i kind of just used that to kind of push it out there that we do a drive and through doing a couple different fires we had a bunch of connections from doing other fires of from the large animal rescue to just donations that people needed from being displaced. Um, and I knew, especially with guys that hunted for the most part, they always had trucks or trailers that were, if they didn't have anything else going on, they'd be willing to help out. And during those fires, it blew up. I think the biggest one we had, I want to say it was the campfire, the paradise one. We had, I want to say 22 trucks and trailers loaded up with like a 20 something foot box trailer or box truck as well loaded with donations. And then we'd run up and help with the animal evacuations as well. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. It's cool that you were able to use that. Like you said, you're following and just kind of bring everybody together and get a bunch of people to help out like that. Yeah, no, it was, it was definitely, it was cool that it was able to work out that way and, and even though that wasn't the intention of starting the page, it was cool that people were willing to help out and oh, yeah, come you're... down to 
San Jose for all the donation stuff for it. Yeah, yeah, you might as well might as well use it for. I mean, it's for a good cause. You know? Exactly, exactly. Kind of doing what we can. Yeah, I thought that. I just thought that was super cool. I was like, dude, these guys are like. It was like an army going up there. I was like, hell yeah. That's, I can't remember what I had going on, but I remember I was like, dude, I should give them a... I was thinking about reaching out, and I, I can't remember what I had going on on one of those days you guys were heading up there, but but yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it was fun. As, as, as crappy as the situation was, it, it ended up being fun having a bunch of guys coming together to help out and meeting different people and having longer friendships from it. Um, with guys kind of the same mentality that they're kind of willing to do whatever for people in need. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Hell yeah. So you seem like you, uh, you, pretty much any, any animal is legal to hunt. It looks like you hunt it, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm hunting is now since I got into the union, it, it's definitely slowed down from when I was working at a gun store in San Jose, but I'm still trying to get out as many weekends as I can from, coyotes to pigs and deer just anything i could really hunt i've kind of gotten away from the duck hunting a little bit just yeah. because the pig hunting kind of really takes off during that time yeah um, yeah for sure but yeah I, I try to get out as much as i can kind of my relaxation and unwinding from work area yep during the off season and it helps with scouting it i kind of pig hunt where i deer hunt as well on the public spots so i kind of get familiar with the area and find the springs and the water and just get used to the area of where I'm at to try to make it work during deer season. Yeah. That seems like a kind of, like I said, I, I haven't really hunted much down in the A, a zone area or, or area where there's pigs and stuff, but like, it seems like a common thing now talking to people like, you know, people that pig hunt are basically, like you said, they're like, they're pig hunting. And then they're also like using it as like a scouting, scouting mission for deer in a zone too. Yeah, and it's it's nice because at least well when I was hunting my one public spot, um, it was a lot when bobcat season was open before we got that taken away. Yeah, um, we had a spot that was killer. I mean, for the most part, there were year after year where I'd fill all my tags during the season, and then I think the most that we shot out of there was like thirteen or fourteen bobcats between oh, wow. a couple buddies that I'd bring out there. But the deer were always unpressured at that time, so we kind of got to see their normal routine and how they would move and just kind of how they would live their normal life without being chased all the time. Yeah. So it helped kind of in that spot. And then, of course, we get into pigs every once in a while, so that was a bonus. Yep. Yeah, I saw one of your your bobcat. You got a taxidermy back from... um uh andre gallo the artisan creations taxidermy yeah yeah that was my biggest bobcat i shot okay um i wanted he was in the 30s i want to say he was 38 pounds okay um the biggest bobcat when i first seen him i thought it was a lion and uh oh really once i seen the the spots and the short tails like oh crap all right here we go it's time to go kind of thing and it turned out being probably the only, well, it's the only bobcat I have mounted, but the last one, for me at least, in California. Yep. That had a good enough hide and everything to get a full body done on them. How, how'd that mount turn out? It turned out awesome. Nice. It, it turned out better than I expected. Um, yeah, I was I, super happy with it. Yeah, I just, I had, he, he did one of my Euros, and then he, I just left him a, 
uh, a sprig, a Drake sprig from um, last season. So I should be getting that back here in a few months or something. But there yeah, you go. yeah, he he seems he seems like he does a pretty pretty good job. He does some amazing waterfowl too. Yeah, yeah, that's what I always think. I see his waterfowl stuff, and I'm like, dude, that looks amazing. I know that's the one thing I haven't had mounted yet. Is yeah, any of my waterfowl, which I need to do because I love how ducks look, and I really want to get some honkers mounted up. Yeah, um, just I, like, I think they're the coolest things. Yeah, just hang like hanging from the ceiling or something. Yeah, even yeah. though I have no room for it. Yeah. <laughs> I love how they look. Yeah, they're pretty sick. Huge. Yeah, I, yeah. I actually, I haven't I haven't done a whole lot of, had much taxidermy done until the last couple of years. I think, like, I, I didn't have any, I haven't done any ducks done until this past year. I took that one to him and um, a deer a couple of years ago. Okay. But that's it. I just... I don't know. I just never wanted to spend money on it, but now I'm like, dude, I, I need to start getting something up in my house. <laughs> I know. I got I had a, I got carried away a little bit. I, the first buck I shot, I got mounted, and then my first archery buck I got mounted, and then what else did I do? The full body bobcat, and now I have a bear rug from a couple years ago. Oh yeah, that that, I have done. Yeah. And I don't, I don't even know where to put that thing. It's, it's freaking huge. Yeah, that bear looked huge, dude. It, it was a monster. It was everything that we could do to move it and get it set up for pictures, let alone get it into a truck. Because yeah. we're hunting an area that had a lot of roads, and uh, it was somewhat easy to get it to the truck, but lifting it up there, it was, uh, it was a little bit of a struggle. Yeah. So you, you, yeah, luckily, luckily you didn't have to pack it out then, huh? <laughs> yeah. The my first bear I had to pack out. And that was the the eye opener in the high country of pack outs. Yeah, I never had to do it before with a zone. We have 640 acres, and we'll make a backpack out of them. Basically, we cut the the rear legs at the hawks and break the front legs at the joint and shove them through and kind of make a backpack and throw them on and go. Oh yeah. And usually there's a couple of us up there, so it it makes it easy. Someone will carry someone's gun or the back or backpacks or whatever and we take off head back to our cabin that we have up there but okay that was the first one i seen in in d zone where i had to quarter it up and get everything out and at nine thousand feet my lungs were killing me yeah, yeah I bet. absolutely killing <laughs> me and that was like all right this is a whole another world i'm not used to yet yeah i haven't had to do that yet either but it's, I, I always just figured it like it easier yeah I wouldn't be opposed to just leaving all my camp out there somewhere and then just putting the meat in the bag and then just making a couple trips, you know? Exactly. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm still trying to to figure out with hunting up there is where to camp, how far to go back, where to go. Because I've had, on public at least in D-Zone, I've had, I haven't had success with deer, so I'm still trying to figure out my whole gear setup and and how to do it and where to go yeah where i'm not going back too far where i'm gonna kill myself coming out or making multiple trips and just being dead the whole the whole time kind of thing yeah i know i feel like i'm i'm in the same boat every time i go i like learn more about like what i need to be bringing and what i don't and like you know like I'm in the same boat with that. It's I did a whole gear overhaul basically. Yeah. This this past year and just trying to figure out where I can cut down on weight and 
and at the same time add weight for comfort yeah make me stay i basically set myself up to where i'm gonna fail before my gear does yeah <laughs> so so i have no excuses where if something goes wrong it's, yeah it's, it was me whether it's mentally or physically i went wrong before my gear did yeah for sure was it i think it was you i was talking to where you, you you've been getting quite a bit of new gear this year right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I, you're like man i'm gonna have to work overtime to pay for all this stuff <laughs> oh and that's what it was i've been i think we've been doing six nines lately so we've been working a ton of overtime and i did a, a whole new pack through kafaru um i did their super tarp with the annex and then i bit the big bullet and did uh the swaro uh, swarovski 10 by 42 slcs oh man <laughs> which was the the huge jump which i wasn't yeah. expecting to do it but i was kind of like i'm at a point where i live behind glass and a zone yeah and Especially it pays off waves. in that little light yeah yeah between the clarity and the field of view and the low light i mean early mornings when for us at least at our ranch and where i hunt in public is when it really shines because that's when the bucks are on the public or that's when they're out before the heat hits and you can make your move before it gets way too hot and you can figure out where they bed down Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. I think everything everything that I hear is like, you know, black tails are probably more nocturnal than mule deer or whatever. Like like you said, like that first very early first light and stuff like that, like it might it might make a huge difference for you. Yeah, and that's and that's what I'm seeing with those mule deer, at least from what the D zone area is I feel like they're I don't know, more nocturnal but I'm in the wrong area, I guess, from when I'm seeing them because I don't, at least I don't think they're going to be bedded down all during the day. They got to move. And so you just kind of got to find that sweet spot of, of when they're moving to when they're bedding and kind of hiding that thick stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Before they, before they hide too much. Yep. I know. I haven't, I haven't totally figured it out. I, I keep trying new spots cause I just, <laughs> I don't know. It's I don't know. It's weird. I get I, I get like my hopes up on on spots, and like I'll see deer like in the middle of the day moving around, bedding down in spots out in the open, and like right before season starts, and then mm-hmm. and then even like during archery season, like I'll I'll see them, you know, like late morning r- running around, but it's just never a time where I can like capitalize on it. But then like definitely by the time right rifle season hits, like none of that's going on. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the same boat. It's, it's, I'll think I'll have them figured out whether it's a couple trail cameras I'll set out or I'll see bucks before the season. And then the season comes and I'm just lost where I can't find deer or I can't find any of the bucks that I've found scouting. And then like, I think it was last year or two years ago, I almost gave up on the spot. They blew out a road that you could almost you could barely take a quad through or if you had a tricked out like Jeep or Toyota, you can get up there. So it cut a lot of that road hunting traffic out. And I was about to give out on it when they blew the road out where you could drive a minivan damn near up all the way back to where we were hunting at. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I gave up on it. I was like, there's too many people back here. And then I was sitting out on one Ridge and I looked across the Canyon and here comes a good, I don't know, 24, 26 inch wide four by four, just hauling ass as some guys were driving down the road up and over this big kind of right across a cliff face and disappeared into the timber. And then it sparked my interest back up again going, no, there's deer here. You're just not hunting. You're not hunting hard enough. You're not looking in the right spots. You're not trying hard enough. I know. 
That's how it, it is, is for me. Like I get discouraged and I like, I start second guessing everything I'm doing and I'm just like getting, you know, like down. And then all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, there they are. You get a little like, glimmer of hope. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, well maybe I'm just an idiot. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm used to glassing the whole time and seeing everything. And now I'm coming down that I can glass a clear cut for maybe an hour and I'll go and keep hiking, moving slow or whatever. But yeah. The low country, the lower country public stuff has helped a lot. I could see more and it kind of, it kind of gets my hopes up a little bit more. Cause I guess it's my comfort zone of a zone. Yeah. So it's just a learning curve. It's going to work out one time or another, just a matter of time till I make the, the stars align kind of thing. Yeah. Well down there, like in the, in the closer to where you're at in the Valley, like you're, you're able to, you have like the opportunity to spend more time down there and figure it out. And so just obviously it makes sense that you're better or have it figured out a little bit more than the, than the high country being four or five hours away or whatever. Yeah. And the biggest thing for me is being through the apprenticeship. I have school twice a week and we're allowed to miss class one time. Basically the other time you get called, you basically get called in front of the, the apprenticeship board and you get your ass chewed out. So I can't take the, the midweek times off at least now i have another year until i can start taking like a week off here and a week off there kind of thing okay so the a, the a zone's easier because from the public land it's maybe i don't know two hours two and a half a lot closer than my d zone and then our ranch that i grew up we know it like the back of our hands so we already kind of know where the bucks will show up during these certain times and all that yeah so the d zone's my big my big challenge that I love. I mean, as hard as it is, I love it. I love trying to figure everything out. Yep. Yeah, it is fun. It is fun. The struggle is real. It makes it. Oh yeah. <laughs> it may, for whatever reason, like the, the struggle makes it a little bit funner or whatever. I don't know why we, we thrive for such pain and suffering, but we do. <laughs> it just makes it, it makes it that much better when it pays off for yeah. all that, that time put in and all that hurt and, yeah. pissed off and misery kind of thing it pays off when everything aligns and you're able to to get something yeah it does and that's kind of how i was with my bear i was giving up and i was like oh, i'm gonna sit down on this ridge i'm gonna glass the rest of the day and i kind of looked down I'm like oh here comes a bear that's kind of weird <laughs> yeah <laughs> he ended up walking right up to me on top of the ridge and i was like yeah, i'll wait he i think i seen him at like 400 yards or 500 yards and kind of laid down to get set up and it's like, wait a second, he's walking right to me and ended up shooting him at 50 yards. Okay. I think it was. Shot him twice at 50, and then I shot him a third time at 300. As he was running away, I hit his back rib, and it came out center of his chest. And I didn't find him, actually, till the next day. That's when I was still trying to figure out this lead-free stuff for my 7 mag. Oh, yeah. I, I always kind of figured it was all these bigger bucks, longer shots. And even with the bears, I need something bigger, but that lead free challenge on the bigger guns is hard for me. Yeah. The, the two forty three I got dialed, but the seven mag, that's a hard one. I'm still, still learning on. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've just, I, I shoot a two seventy Winchester short mag. I, I started shooting copper out of it like four, four or five years ago. Just because I knew it was coming, so I just <laughs> I just started off with the copper and got that CDS dial for the loophole scope and stuff like set up for that round and everything and um, 
I don't know. It's I've I've only shot one deer with it, so yeah, it did I, did the trick. That's all that matters as long as it works for you, and that's the big thing I kind of find is the mental aspect of it. Your gun can shoot tacks, but if you're not mentally thinking your gun's going to do the job, that's that's the hard part for me. Yeah, is you want to try to make that the best shot you can and and put it down quick as you can. And when stuff goes south, you start second guessing everything. Yeah, for sure. Is I I switched to lead free back in well, was that my junior year of high school? So oh nine. Oh really? Yeah. So the, we had the Condor Zone of A Zone, oh, and yeah. um, that when I started, we basically had a fire in oh nine at our ranch, and uh, we had no deer up there. So that's when I kind of jumped to the real big public land hunting for deer, and I think I was shooting my I was shooting my two forty three, and I shot Federal. And I found, by dumb luck, middle of the day, 100-something degrees, a 3 by 3 And I shot him one time behind the shoulder, or kind of right behind the shoulder, and he kind of hunched up and looked around. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? I was shooting the ballistic tips that they'd explode, and you hit a buck right there. They'd dump for the most part. Yeah. So I cranked another shot in, shot him again, and he took off running like a bat out of hell. Huh. And I'm like, what's going on? And I'm colorblind. I'm major colorblind. Okay. So I have, a, I have a really hard time tracking blood. It takes me a lot longer than the normal person. So I get down to where I shot him and start kind of following dirt tracks and blood. And then the blood dried up because of how hot it was. So I just started following tracks and found him 100 yards away. And uh, I had two 243 entrances, like maybe a half inch apart maybe an inch apart and two 243 exits the bullet never opened up and it just happened to hit lung and he filled up with blood and passed and tipped over basically oh damn and that was kind of the whole start of figuring out the lead free thing and what is it now 2020 so about a couple of years ago as i found that bullet that i love which is that drt stuff oh yeah and uh that stuff's phenomenal is I, it i I shot for them for a while. I did the whole, with uh, my hunting page, I did the whole pro staff thing for quite a while. And now I kind of backed out of it just so I can not worry about the sponsorships and promoting certain things, just kind of doing me, especially with the limited time as I have now compared to how I used to be. Yeah. But uh, I shot for them for quite a bit. And it's basically a frangible round that once it hits soft liquid or soft tissue, it, it opens up. So once it hits the lungs or heart or whatever, it opens and doesn't exit. So okay. the animal re- the animal retains all the energy of the bullet for the most part on deer and pigs. And I've never seen a lead-free bullet that shoots good out of my gun do what that does. Yeah. And uh, it's hard to get. Kind of during that Freedom Week, I ordered, I want to say like five or five or six boxes of it um, when they stopped the, the background checks or whatever for that week. Uh-huh. I was able to get, I was able to get an order in of that. And for my two forty three, I won't shoot anything else. I've shot barns. The federal is what I shot that first buck with. And, and I didn't like it. The barns worked good, but it didn't open up the way I did the way I liked it. And uh-huh. the DRT stuff was, that was the moneymaker for me. It, it dumped pigs and it dumped deer, and I couldn't complain with those results. Okay, yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to look into that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think they make the short mags 
but I know my cousin shoots a 270, uh-huh. um, just the, the regular one. He hand loads for it. And he shot the Barnes for a little bit once we had that switch for statewide. And the Barnes, they would open up, but not like how we were used to lead. And this is, for me at least, the closest I've found to lead with a lead free. Um, but he hand loads for it now. And um, as of now, he's not switching to anything else. He loves how that DRT works out of a hand load. It, it's just something else. It's, it's crazy to explain unless you see it. Yeah. As a frangible around. We kind of, they, DRT, when they labeled it within the fishing games, uh, or what is it now, fish and wildlife, they're approved lead free rounds. Uh-huh. A frangible round wasn't legal for big game. It had to be a soft point or a hollow tip. And uh, they had to go through a whole process of relabeling what the bullet was to make it legal for big game. And once we worked that out, it was they showed them videos and kind of showed them all their their studies behind their bullet and how it worked and somehow they were able to get it through fishing game going we're good we could switch it to a hollow point instead of the frangible classification okay so that was a that was a huge little fiasco we had on social media when i was kind of promoting that i yeah. was not known not knowing about that classification difference i just saw approved and started using it and after the first year of using it, we're like, all right, yeah, we got to figure something out because technically by the law, it's illegal. Oh, okay. And once they cleared everything up, they're like, all right, you guys are good to use it for big game. So that was a huge help. Oh, yeah. Huh. California laws are, are fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding, huh? Oh, it's a shit show for the most part. <laughs> oh, it is, man. You, that reminds me of the because uh, you're using you're using your AR for coyotes and stuff, huh? Like, so your your California compliant one. Yeah, at, <laughs> at the time I built it, I bought it when I think I was maybe nineteen, twenty. Yeah, I bought it because the ARs were kind of the cool thing to have once they made them California legal again, kind of thing. And I think I jokingly said, "Oh, I'm going to shoot a buck with it." And the feedback I got from that was unreal going, oh, two, two, three is too small, this and that. And oh, yeah. I kind of I was like, all right, well, I mean, I shoot a 243 and it's maybe half the grain weight. I'm going to try it. I mean, I'm comfortable with it. I have a 24-inch bull barrel on it. And I'm shooting maybe probably half-inch groups at 100 yards. And I started working with lead rounds and the lead-free rounds. And once I found the lead-free stuff that worked, I loved it on pigs and deer. Okay. Um, I shot one buck with it at 352 yards, and he ran, I don't know, maybe 50 to 75 yards and piled up, and I don't know how many pigs I've shot with it. Um, And it was at a point where some guy told me, no, you can't, and I kind of sat back and was like, well, you can. A lot more more of the stars have to align and the shots have to be perfect in order to make that shot, but it is doable. Yeah. But it's not for everyone, and and I've kind of, as much as I was gung-ho when I was younger on it, going, oh, you can do it. You just got to hit them in the right spot. It's a lot more precision, a lot more shots that you have to pass on if you don't have that perfect shot, which is hard for a lot of guys. Yeah. Uh, especially on pigs. I was bringing up to my public land spot, and it was hard for me, but I was passing on pigs because – my favorite shot with that, and the only shot I would take with that two two three is behind the ear at the base of the ear, and it 
it's like a light switch. It dumps them. But if I don't have that shot, I got to wa- let the pig walk because okay. I don't want to, I don't want them to, to run away wounded because pigs are tougher than hell. Yeah. That's what I hear. But yeah, it kind of, that's how that AR thing turned into. And I wrote a couple articles, one for AR1500.com and using that, the 223, the AR15 in California. It was kind of a eye opener for some people like, oh, it can be done. Yeah. It just, you got to have the right, the right bullet and the right placement for it. Are you using that DRT stuff for I that was, too? And, and that's how I found that bullet was, it was New Year's. I was going up to my buddy invited me up north to a Golden Rand Club and they didn't have my barn. So I found the DRT stuff and they used to sell it at Big Five. And uh, we shot a couple times at 100 yards and it was pretty much the same zero. I looked at my buddy. I was like, all right, we're good to go. Went for a drive and we got on a big, I don't know, 190, 200 pound boar. And we're about three, probably 300 yards away. He's shooting a seven mag. He looked at me, he goes, all right, take the shot. Kind of looked over at him and I held up the 223. I was like, I got to get a little bit closer than that. Yeah. <laughs> kind of laughed and <laughs> snuck into a hundred yards and, and I hit him behind the ear and I call it kind of the crappie flop. When you hit them behind the ear, they kind of flop around a little bit. Okay. And knowing the bullet was small, I put one in right behind his shoulder, kind of center of his chest when he's laying on his side. And when I skinned him, I found out what that bullet actually did when it hit the lungs and heart area. And it turned it straight to mush. It it was mind-blowing the way that bullet worked. Oh, wow. And that's when I was like, all right, now I got to look into this stuff for my 243. And that's kind of how I found down, found oh. out about that rabbit hole of how that bullet worked. Oh, okay. But, yeah, it was, that's kind of, that first pig I shot with that was, uh, was an eye-opener. Yeah. Finding out that you can do it. It just takes a lot of time and, and the right shot for him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been thinking about turning my... AR into just a coyote gun or something. I, I don't know. I just don't use it now that it's all those laws passed. I just, I haven't done the California compliant stuff to it. So it just stays in the safe. <laughs> so I'm yeah. like, dude, Ooh. I want to get this thing. <laughs> I don't know if you should say that. <laughs> well, it's disassembled. It's disassembled. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Duh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I wasn't thinking. Yeah. No, I, but- I switched to that Thorsten or Thorsten stock. Uh-huh. And I actually prefer it um, compared to, like, that thin grip that they have on the pistol grip with that basically a Kydex little fin. Oh, yeah. Um, the Thorsen, I I really like. It's comfortable, and it feels more or less like a regular rifle stock. Okay. Um, I have the first gen that came out with it, and I know they have a bunch of other newer ones that came out, but I love it. It's For me, it's actually comfortable. I'm not – I have my little short-barreled the 16 or – 17 whatever the legal one is yeah. for the kind of tactical messing around shooting stuff but for my hunting stuff i love that stock it's really comfortable and i i feel a lot better with it when i'm shooting a little bit longer distances okay but yeah that's why i have that that 24 inch full barrel i'm shooting coyotes with that from i think my furthest shots around four or five hundred yards okay and then nice. it's fun with the backup shot being so quick and light yeah. recoil even depredation hunts with pigs it makes it a lot more fun because they got 10 rounds waiting when we get into a good group of them yeah 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 there's just so many different avenues you can take to make those things legal now so i'm like i don't know i thought about even just turning it into into a bolt a bolt action gun just to so i could leave everything on it and just 
buy that $75 part or whatever to make it a bolt gun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've seen that with those AR pistols and I have a couple of buddies that have done that and they end up either doing that. What do they call it? The maglock yeah. or the, uh, or going featureless. I like featureless cause you have a standard mag release yeah. and all you gotta do is take away the uh, flash hider and put either a muzzle brake or just cap it. Yeah, and with a twenty-four inch bull barrel, I didn't have a muzzle brake on it, so all I had to do was the stock and a uh, standard mag release, and it's perfect for coyotes. Okay, but I love hunting coyotes with that. It's it's fun. It's so much fun. Even bobcats, little holes if you want to do something with the hide, and it dumps them. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I, sh- I, I shot one coyote with my two seventy <laughs> last uh, last winter, and it just. Yeah, it didn't look too pretty. It was right, Turned them inside out a little bit. Well, it was right in the face, dude. So it just, yeah, it was it was ugly. Yeah, <laughs> one of those pictures that you don't really try to post. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, this doesn't look that good. Yeah, but that's what I try to do. I try to help the fawns out at least the most I can by shooting coyotes. I know they devastate the deer. And yeah, as much as we say predator control, I know the more that we take out, it kind of turns the the coyotes in the breed more and pushes out more, but kind of feels like you're trying to do something with them. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason they, some States pay you to shoot, to shoot them. I mean, yeah, like you said, I know they start breeding more and they kind of bounce back quick from what I hear, but it's, and it's, I've heard that too. And I mean, I know at our ranch, it's an hour away from me. So I used to be up there. I'm still am as much as I can, but, uh, even if you start missing on a couple of the coyotes, you kind of start educating them that once you're up there, you don't see them as much. And I had a good run where I didn't kill a coyote for a year to two years up there. Cause as soon as they would hear the calls that I was using or something, they were educated and they would not come in or they'd be running the other way. Oh, really? Oh, it, it was weird. It's crazy how smart they can be Damn. for, for something you didn't think that could be that smart. At least I didn't, I didn't think they'd be educated. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, you miss a couple, they remember that. Next time they see someone walking up a ridge or a Jeep driving up, they're taking off like a bat out of hell. Yeah. What do you have um, planned for this year? You're, I know, obviously, you're, you're hunting right now in A-Zone, right, for archery? Yeah, so I'm taking off on Friday. We have the A-Zone archery. This will be the second weekend. Yeah. And then I have my D-Zone tag, which is always a struggle. Yeah, yeah. Because... It kind of they coincide together with the uh, the archery and the rifle rifle for A zone archery for D zone, but I really want to focus on D zone. I yeah. really want to take the time and get up there more during archery season compared to years past. It's just something unknown. It's just it's something that draws me to it that I don't know what it is, but yeah, the draw is there. Yeah, that's kind of how it is for me. Like uh, I think just from camping and stuff as a kid and like going up there a lot, like. I don't know. I just love it up there. And that's how it was with me is the area I'm hunting now for the high country is where I grew up riding dirt bikes. So I know, I think the longest ride that we did was like, I don't know, maybe 60 miles round trip. And that was back when I was on a little uh, XR80. Damn. We used to carry little little uh, little gas cans underneath the back fender. So once we started running out of gas, it was like, all right, we'll fill up what we have and turn around and come back. But yeah, I know the I know the roads at least like the back of my hand so I could figure out where looks like a good area to hunt, but it's a whole nother world from riding dirt bikes to hunting. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, when, yeah. It's wide open to, all right, now we're sneaking through the areas and, and hiking a lot more than just riding the roads. Yeah. And I've been, yeah, last season I was like, that just reminded me the dirt bike thing. I was like, I was like glassing over this basin and all of a sudden like I hear dirt bikes and I'm like, dude, they're getting closer. <laughs> and they came like ripping right by me. I was like, dude, I got to get out of here. This isn't. <laughs> I, I had that with me on the low country hunt. I was half a trigger away on a smoker buck. Really? He was, I couldn't tell how wide he was. He was a four by four, but, um, I was half a trigger away. And next thing I hear is a bunch of two strokes coming up a trail that they're not supposed to be on. There's no dirt bikes allowed. It's only foot traffic. Yeah. And, uh, they spooked the bucks off and I was pissed. And I was sitting there just fuming, just trying to think what I could do to get them caught. And I kind of sat back and like, there's nothing I can do. I just got to kind of deal with it. And the bucks will be back once these guys are out of here. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it's a whole nother world going from one to the other. I know. Yeah, I know. And then, yeah, I'm, I've been learning the last couple of years. I need, to, I just need to like e scout way better before I spend all the time to go up to these places. Because like, you know, it's like I'll look at them on on uh, on X or Google Earth or whatever, and like, I feel like I do all my homework, and then and then I I just didn't zoom in uh, qu- quite enough to like see all the trails or whatever, and like I'll. I'll get out there and like the area I want to glass there's like is like a popular hiking trail or like dirt bike trail or something and I'm like dude uh, I just hiked all the way back in here and for nothing That's... You there? You there? Oh, I can hear you now. All right, I had to walk back inside to get a beer real quick. Oh, it's all good. Um I'm in the same boat. It's I don't know if it's, I'm just, I've never e-scouted before, but I look at certain areas and I think they're great and I go in there and they're horrible. Yeah. Or it just, it's not what I'm looking at. And for me, I'd rather look at it in person and kind of, and see what it looks like or how far away it is from people regarding how the trails change or the roads open up or, or whatever kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, I have a hard time with e-scouting. I can look at great spots, but. I don't have the confidence to go, all right, that's a good spot. I'm going to spend a week back here or a weekend back here. Yeah. And it's just, it's just trial and error basically for me. It's, it looks good, but who knows? And I've had this one guy on, on through my hunting page. He, he was seeing, I think I was posting stories when I was up in the D zone. He goes, Hey, are you, what, what are you hunting or what are you doing? Where are you at? I kind of filled him in. He goes, yeah, it's a good spot if you get weather, but this and that. And the dude grew up in the area basically. Okay. And, and kind of gave me a spot going, uh, going, Hey, you need to go try this spot. Go check this out. He goes, I'm not going to say like my honey holes, but here's an area that you should check out. And that was the biggest help I've had. I, the first time in, I seen a legal buck that I passed on and, and uh, he was like maybe a 16-inch forking horn. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to keep walking. Next thing I know, here's a 18 to 20-inch 3x3 uh, three three standing with that buck. But he was in a group of does. So I was like, all right, here we go. Now we're getting into something better that's low country. But that was a huge help yeah. having that dude. And now he's a guy that I hunt with. We hunted uh, turkey this year with him. And uh, it's just kind of crazy how it all ties in with social media and to some people, I get it. I'm the same way. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to 
not as much help people out, but it's hard to give spots up that you work so hard for. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird for me. Like I'll help someone out when, uh, I guess they ask the right way versus some guy going, Hey, where'd you kill that buck at? Versus another guy going, Hey, where, where should I look at or what should I be looking for? Kind of thing. Yeah. Or if you, so it's, or if it's someone that you know is like putting in a lot of effort and like, you know, or, or whatever, like as long as you know, they're not just being lazy, then it's one thing. Yeah. But. Yeah. And that's, and that's hard with me. It's, it's, I have this, the Instagram, the huge social media following, but I'm not the greatest hunter. I mean, I'm by no means a guy that knows what he's doing. I was just able to, to have a social media thing that took off kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's, I got lucky by putting in a lot of work and, and it's hard telling these guys that would ask me going, Hey, where do you hunt at? Well, I hunt where the pigs are. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Where's that? Versus <laughs> I've met a couple of buddies that are now good friends going, Hey, uh, do you mind if I tag along and kind of see how you do things and how you hunt certain areas or and I was like, I'm more than willing to help guys like that versus the, the kind of handout guys. Yeah. Yeah, so. for sure. But yeah, I was, I was, I listened to the last podcast with, uh, was that Cody? Oh yeah. And I had Travis, I brought him out to one of my public land spots, but I was telling Cody too, I don't know if we can work something out or if his schedule or if he's even down for one of the bear hunts. Oh yeah. I was talking to him about that, about going to one of my spots that I got. Okay. Kind of a low country hunt that it has a lot of bears uh, from what I've seen, at least a ton of bear sign. Yeah. And maybe we could work something out to yeah. get everyone together. Cause that's fun. I love the solo stuff, but having a group of buddies go out that's a blast yeah and i feel like a, a bear hunt is kind of like more of the type of hunt where you know it's easier to do like a a, a group thing or maybe not a huge group but like yeah a yeah, few yeah, guys yeah. or whatever and not you know because bears are just different dude they just like roam around in the middle of the day and shit so it's like they're um, like pigs for me yeah that's kind of how i think of them they're just for me at least there's no rhyme or reason of where they are and how they got there they just kind of show up and they're looking for food or water yeah yeah i was talking to them about doing something like that too like especially if like hopefully or well i guess after i don't know we were we were kind of talking about like after deer season's over like you know because you Mm -hmm. can bear hunt till the end of the year hopefully all of our deer tags are filled by then but (laughs) yeah and that's i got a surprise my buddy drew the uh marble mountain uh elk tag the bull elk oh sweet dude yeah 18 points later Dang. Uh, he drew that so i get to go on that hunt with him and then my two cousins one drew a late season elk tag in nevada and the other one drew a late season mule deer tag in nevada okay so that's that's kind of the the end of the year kind nice. of hunt thing but i was like oh i gotta get my bear hunts in still as Hell much yeah. as i love helping out on other tags i love filming my tags too yeah for sure yeah actually but, the last few years I, I i i know a couple spots that i've seen a lot of bear there was one area that you this one area i went in a couple years ago like in one in one day i think i saw like i don't know i think i saw five bears in one day but i mean oh, it, wow. it was just like you just go in there and like you could almost like sense the like what am I trying to say? 
like sense the presence of bears or something. It was like almost eerie kind of like, I don't know, it was weird. I And I had that feeling before I saw any bears, dude. And then like this, and then like, sure enough, first thing in the morning I see, I see two big bears, like, like at one point they like postured up on each other and like one of them went the other direction and then one of them went over the other side of a ridge and then two bears, this is the same day, like two more bears ran up on me, like one ran, ran directly at me within 15 feet (laughs) And and then the other one was like 40 feet away from me, but those, those two were smaller, but they, they weren't cubs. Like I could have shot them, but. They just, they were, I don't know. It, they just, they seemed too small to me. You just didn't have the right feeling on it. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't have the right feeling. I didn't get that, like, ex- I didn't even honestly think about shooting those two. I was watching those two big ones, and then, like, when those two ran up on me, I was, I, was, I think I was just scared shitless at first, and then I just, and then I just oh, kind of was like, feeling. oh, shit. Like, I didn't even think about, like, shooting them. It was kind of yeah. weird. That's, I've had, my D-zone spot is, has a very low bear kill for reported tags. Okay. So I, I, I mean the past, I don't know, four or five years I've hunted up there. I've seen a handful of bears throughout the whole year or whole five years. I've been up there. Uh-huh. The, the first bear I seen, I shot and that was probably, I don't know, maybe in the 300 range, 200, maybe mid two hundreds. But okay. I've been, I, I don't know what it is with bears. Maybe it's because I'm used to hunting A-Zone, and I've never been around them as much, but bears give me the creeps. Really? I, yeah. I am not comfortable around bears, but I'm comfortable around lions. Really? I, with A-Zone, I'll see a handful of lions a, a season, at least deer season. Damn. Even after deer season hunting A-Zone, I'm, I see them pretty often, and uh, they don't bug me. But oh, something man. with the bear, just knowing that, if they're coming in when I have been charged, you hear them coming the whole way. Um, with yeah. a cat, you don't know when it's going to happen. <laughs> and I don't know if that's something that's that what... eases me. That's just, if it happens, it happens. But with a bear, it's like, okay, great. I know I'm about to get chewed on because I'm going to hear them coming through the brush the whole time. Oh, man. Yeah, see, I'm the opposite. Cats scare the crap. I've never even seen one, dude. And they really, but I think that's why it's scary to me because, like, like you said, like that you don't know they're there until they're on top of you. <laughs> yeah, that shit's scary, dude. Yeah, I don't know why why it is with lions, but it just it, they don't they don't bother me. I've had them. I think the closest I've been was maybe eighty yards, eighty anywhere from fifty to eighty. Oh, it's fifty was the closest. We we're bow hunting and watched a bunch of deer jump over a fence line. And run right below us on a trail. And next thing you know, here comes a cat, hopped the fence, and ran right below us. Okay. And yeah. it was the, they're the coolest things to watch. I mean, you could just see the muscle definition and everything. They're just solid muscle. Yeah. And as much as a lot of guys hate them, and I mean, I hate them too, because we know when they're in our place or any public spot, because the deer just disappear. Same with the pigs. Yeah. But the way they move and everything, they're just quiet killers. Yeah. Yeah, I, like I said, I haven't seen it. I've heard, I've heard them though. Have you ever heard them? Oh yeah, we've uh, <laughs> one of the spots we fish at in uh, Gilroy, uh-huh. at Coyote Reservoir. Um, we're sitting there and we heard them light up on the hillside, talking back and forth, and we hit a flashlight on them. My buddy's like, "What's that? That's kind of a weird sound." I go, "Yeah, that's a lion." Yeah, <laughs> that's actually a pair of lions talking back and <laughs> forth to each other. They're so creepy sounding, dude. Like it's like, like almost like an old lady screaming or something, huh? 
Oh, it's it's bizarre. It and that gives me the chills at night hearing them. Yeah. But like I think it was last year. That's what freaked me out the most. I was camping next to my truck. My truck was maybe fifty yards off the road. I put my tent kind of back in the trees and I woke up about four in the morning and it sounded like a horse was galloping straight through my campsite. <laughs> Just something pounding the dirt and I'm kinda of looking around, waking up in a half asleep like what the hell's going on? I grab a pistol and a flashlight and kind of start shining the flashlight. And it was a bear that ran right through my camp. But that night I had deer backstrap. I I cooked over the fire. And as soon as that bear hit my wind or hit the wind, I guess off the fire, he spun a 180 and started walking right in towards me. Oh man. And I was like, Oh shit. And I got (laughs) super nervous, hit the flashlight on him. I had my pistol on him. I'm kind of sitting here like, what do I do now? And with that, my flashlight dies. Oh, man, dude. And I just lose it. So I run back to my tent, and I had, for some reason, I had a second pistol in my tent that had a pistol light on it because I was camping with my truck. Yeah. And so I I run back out, turn that on, and he's maybe 20 yards, 25 yards away. And it's 4 in the morning. I'm waking up just trying to get ready to go out for the morning. I put one shot right in the dirt and that bear turns around and takes off and then turns back around Ugh. he just wanted that that backstrap i guess that smell off the campfire yeah I bet. and that, and that's what really freaked me out i've had a couple bluff charges with tubs but that one was one that stuck in my mind going they're not afraid of us at all yeah or where cats i've seen they see me they take off running yeah god man yeah cats scare the shit out of me <laughs> I mean, bears do too, but I almost feel like I'm getting more comfortable with the bear thing. I don't know why. Maybe just because I see him more and I just, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably the opposite with me is I see cats more than bears. And that's why I'm a little more, they're more afraid of us from what I've seen than bears yeah. are. I've had more issues with bears charging than cats. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's hairy. Yeah, I, I came up twenty yards over a rise to two cl- uh, two cubs playing on a log, and I was with a buddy, and he ended up sleeping in the truck. This was when I was learning D zone. He goes, "Hey, walk down this clear cut, and uh, go see if there's any deer down there. I'm gonna take a nap in the truck." I was like, "All right," just trying to figure the area out. Yeah, and I walked down, hit the edge of the clear cut at the far end, and uh, here's two cubs playing, and I'm like, "Oh, that's kind of cool. I've never seen cubs." And then I started hitting my head. I was like. Oh, where's mama? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where's mama at? I started talking. I was like, hey, bear, hey, bear, kind of doing that whole thing. And yeah. And as I started backing up, here she comes out of the thick stuff. And she caught about 20 yards and turned around and hit the other way. My buddy's like, yeah, they'll bluff charge about 20 yards and take off the other way. They'll do that a couple times. Okay. And I was like, all right. So that's what I thought. He's been around bears his whole life. Like, that's what he's used to. Yeah, and I I walked the whole clear cut, and she charged me doing that about five times, <laughs> and I hit the truck, and I wake him up. I tell him what happened. He looks at me and he goes, "You let her hit twenty yards." I was like, "Yeah." He goes, "Oh, I was just kidding. I never thought you would have that happen before." Like, he was oh, just kind of messing with me. He's so comfortable around him, he could read him as well. And I was like, "You." Oh, I was pissed. <laughs> I was like, "I'm never listening to anything you say about bears again, man." Oh, and dude. It, it was it was one of the scariest things I've seen though. That bear coming in, hitting twenty yards and turning and taking back off. Yeah. And uh she was just protecting her cubs, kinda of doing her thing, but oh it was it gave me the chills 
big time after that. Yeah, for sure. Man, can you imagine that being like a grizzly? No. Dude, that's just, <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I think uh, I'd just shit my pants, dude. Yeah, I mean, I've always carried a pistol with me, but it's just a paperweight, really. Yeah, that's, yeah. Th- unless you shoot it enough and it's more instinctual, instinctual yeah. than aiming, because I've had it. I bring it more as a noisemaker. If a bear comes in, I'll shoot it, and they'll take off and run away. That's exactly but what I think. I've hunted pigs in the tulies at one of my buddy's spots that he hunts a uh, private property, and he shot a pig and wounded it, and he didn't want to go in the tulies. I'm like, oh, I'm not afraid of a pig. I'll go in. I'll try to follow the blood or the tracks and hit a little clearing, and I had a pig come out of the tulies at 10 feet when I'm all in the tulies. Came out in a little opening. This pig ran at me, and I dumped 10 rounds and missed every shot. Oh, really? <laughs> and, and that's when I was like, all right, yeah, I don't shoot a pistol enough to be like, I'm confident and it's going to be something second nature. Yeah. It's, it's a noisemaker and extra weight at that point. Damn, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Pigs are something else. They're, I've never had them. I think that charge was more of, I kind of surprised him and I was on his exit route. Not that he was trying to get me. Yeah. But the only other time is we wounded one in a box canyon, and I was walking through the brush, and that guy came right at me and took me off my feet. Oh, really? Oh, it, it, yeah. That was the only way in, only way out of this canyon. This pig was gut shot. My buddy didn't make too good of a shot, and uh, he knew the only way out was right through me. And as soon as he hit me, he caught my left foot and put me on my ass. <laughs> and uh, I was like, all right. Yeah, if we go back in, I'm coming on the uphill side this time. I'm not going to walk the canyon. Yeah, no kidding, huh? But, <laughs> yeah, it's pistols were eye opener after that pig charge. Yeah, you guys ever use you guys ever use like lever actions when you're pig hunting? I have when I ran dogs with my buddies. A bunch of my buddies run dogs for pigs. Yeah, and it's either it's either that or a pistol. Um, they never like the semi autos, just when I started out with them, they didn't know what kind of shot I was or what kind of person I was. They never wanted a dog getting shot. Yeah. And so, yeah, I shot, I shot a couple of pigs with a 30, 30, 44 mag and a, uh, 45, lever gun. Okay. And, uh, it's a blast. I love lever guns. I've never, I don't own one, but yeah, I don't either. I, I, I always like the, the cowboy, the cowboy, cowboy stuff. And I always figured if I, if I hunted with one, it would be pigs or something like that. Oh, if I got got into running dogs myself for pigs, that would definitely be a gun that I would own because that forty five seventy and that thirty thirty at close close range it it puts a smackdown on them. Yeah, hell yeah. I bounced running dogs. I've had a I have a Glock uh, thirty five with a Leopold red dot on it. Okay, and I've I've bounced the forties off their foreheads on a big pig. Oh really? <laughs> oh, it it just pissed them off probably. 30 yard shot right in their forehead and watching the dirt break about 20 yards above their head on the hillside behind them. Like, uh Oh, I just pissed this guy off a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. It it gets a little hairy. Thank God for dogs. But yeah, it gets hairy. Yeah. Damn. I was just looking through your, your IG. looks like you you got a, a nice buck yet last year, right? Was that in, yeah. Was that in, uh, that was must have been awesome. D-Zone, right? That was A-Zone. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, the Fork and Horn, I think, double eye guards. Yeah. 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 Pretty- so that buck, um, it ended up, I'm weird when it comes to deer. 
I, uh, for me, when I shoot a buck, it's, I'll pass on a lot of bucks at a ranch, but if I find a buck kind of depends on the situation, but if it gets my heart going, I don't care if he's a spike fork or a, a four by four. If that buck gets me going, gets my heart going, I want to shoot him. Oh yeah. And that's, and that's kind of how I've, as I've gotten older, I've been able to pass on bucks a lot better at a ranch yep. just because we have the rough hits for the most part towards the end of the season. And that's when kind of the freak of nature's come out. So we try to hold out except during archery season, archery, if we get a legal buck, we're going to shoot them. Yeah, yeah. But rifle season, we try to hold out for about a 17 inch buck is the minimum that we'll hold out for. Yeah. But yeah. I thought, I thought that buck was a, uh, this way bigger probably 20 inch wide buck that my sister seen when i shot a coyote on opening weekend yeah she forgot her hunting license so she just came along with me and my little cousin and uh i saw a coyote it was midday and i was like you know what my cousin who's on my dad's side my mom's side's the one that owns the ranch um i was like he's never seen anything really get shot before i was like i'll shoot the coyote just why not kind of thing and shot him i was taking pictures with him and my sister's up on the ridge signaling buck. I was like, oh, shit, here we go. Let's run up the ridge. And yeah. we ran 400 yards damn near straight up, and we missed him as he hit the fence line. But it was a smoker, 20-inch wide fork and horn, really deep fork buck. Uh-huh. And I uh, started talking to her, and she goes, oh, that's one of the bigger bucks I've ever seen up here. And I never saw him, but it was just going off what she said. Yeah. So the next day I was like, Hey, let's get up early with my sister and we'll run up the ridge before it gets daylight and try to see if we could find that buck before he hits the fence line again. And we're all the way up on top glassing, I don't know, maybe a thousand yards away. And I see a buck walking down a road, real nice basket on him, double eye guards. And I'm so gung ho thinking that's the big buck that we've seen. It was the buck I shot, but yeah. we took off running down the ridge. And he watches us run down the open broad side of the hill from 200 yards away, and he hits the brush. But he's with a bunch of does rutting, and his mentality changes completely. And <laughs> his entire attention is all in the does. Yeah. So he's 300 yards away just kind of in and out of the does and sagebrush messing around with them. And me and her got set up, and so I laid down and put it about an inch or two over his back and squeezed the trigger and dumped him. And ended up being the different buck, not the big guy that I saw, but Buck Fever got the best of me. Yeah. Which I, I'm still proud of that buck. I'll shoot that buck any other day of the year. Oh, yeah. Um, just my Buck Fever got the best of me thinking it was something else. Yeah. And uh, we got down. We are celebrating with him. And it was super exciting. Kind of funny story. My sister ended up shooting that big buck. Oh, really? Um, nice. Yeah. I want to say the second or third weekend of the, the last weekend of the season she ended up shooting them chasing i don't know 10 does or something and there's another buck just same quality running around with that guy but they're rutting hard and uh she ended up shooting that buck that she spotted that got away from me okay but yeah that was that was kind of cool that she got him instead of uh instead of spotting him for me yeah no that's cool hell yeah yeah, A-Zone's a blast, but it's hot. I know, man. I just, I don't know. I, I keep wanting to go go out there for archery and extend this extend my season longer, and I just, I don't know. I haven't got. <laughs> if, if you want to go. I think it's the heat, go, dude. Let me know. 
I, I have a public land spot we can go. We have a, a pretty good possibility of pigs. Really? The bucks are kind of a, a bonus spot for me. Yeah. Um, I want to say it was, shit, two years ago is when I shot my first A-zone buck with a bow off the public spot. But I was going in there for pigs. It's a mission and a half. It's a good hike, but yeah, I have really good luck with, uh, with pigs back there. Okay. Um, it's not a guarantee. It's public land, but. Oh, yeah but it's a good possibility we can get into them. Yeah, that'd be cool. I, I did get a pig tag this year. I'm like, man, I need to I need to figure the pig thing out. It'd be kind of fun. Like you said like you know, like when you're out there you're you're, all, you're also scouting for deer and like you can do it year round and everything else. So and in that open country with pigs, I mean, pigs are blind as a bat for the most part. As long as you get the wind right, you can sneak right up in them and and get a shot for the most part. Yeah. In, in that open stuff. I've hunted other areas that's thicker where that wind swirls, but where I hunt, I've had I've had really good luck with pigs on okay. public. But, yeah, if we could work something out, I'd definitely be down to take you out there. Yeah, that'd be fun, man. Probably be it's diff- hot, though. It's yeah. definitely hot. Yeah, no, I'd be – well, for me, I, yeah, I just haven't uh, – I'm not afraid to go out in the <laughs> – not afraid to go out in the heat. I just yeah, – I'd be definitely be down to do it. I just haven't uh, – like at this point in the year, I'm like, dude, I like I said, I just, uh, not knowing the area, I just didn't know how much time, like how much time do I want to, I should have been scouting a zone months ago instead of waiting till now. Cause now it's like, to me, like time's running out to scout for D zone now. And I'm like, Shit. yeah. So yeah. And, and for me, it's, it's hard with hunting the public. I mean, the area I hunt's fairly smaller than a lot of the other spots, but what I've seen is I could scout it like the back of my hand, know what every deer is doing back there. But as soon as opening weekend comes, those bucks change everything for the most part with the traffic. It's, it's a different area than a lot of the other spots. But what I do now is I get up early. I get into the spot I want to hunt super early. So when the heat comes, I basically sit there in glass and then slowly kind of hike my way back to the spot I want to go and, have everyone else that's coming in at sunrise push stuff to us. Uh-huh. And okay. that's, it's worked out fairly well. I mean, at least with pig-wise, we've shot, shit, I want to say from opener of archery probably to the end of the year. I want to say it was probably 18 pigs we shot between five of us. Oh, wow. And I was off public. But... And I was just figuring out we got to get back there before anyone else does and have them push them right to us or just watch water. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's but cool. yeah, if you're, if we could figure a time out this weekend, I have a, uh, my buddies, they put on a, uh, it's called the Bay Area Sportsman's Contest. Oh yeah. And, uh, you kind of could put in your big buck or your big pig. And I think they have turkeys. And waterfowl as well. It's a, a number for waterfowl, how many ducks you shoot a year or whatever. Oh, okay. But we have the award set, uh, ceremony this weekend. Oh, right on. But any weekend after that, I'm game to uh, to head out to that public spot and see what we could do. Yeah, I might have to take you up on that. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm in the Sacramento Valley too, from? so I'm, I'm used to the okay. heat. <laughs> I want to say... I shot a buck back there. My first buck I ever shot off public land. I shot him at midday. I think it was 12 o'clock. I got back to the truck at 7 o'clock at night. 
and that was before I knew about any frame packs, but it was 110 oh, at man. 12 o'clock. And I was like, <laughs> all right. If I'm now looking back, it was like, I should have waited until it got dark and then packed out, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, 110. That's, yeah, that's, uh, that's up there. That's when you find a tree and take a good long nap. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, huh? Uh, that's pretty much how we'll do it. We'll take a nap under a tree overlooking water. And every time someone wakes up, we kind of glass the water and see if pigs came in or not, or deer. Yeah. Hell yeah. So you, uh, are you, when you guys do, when you guys pig hunt, are you doing archery a lot? Or are you doing mostly rifle or what do you, what's the, what's your typical go-to? My go-to is rifle. Yeah. I'll bow hunt during a zone archery. And that's kind of when the best time for this spot at least is. Oh yeah. But after I haven't got the big itch to keep the bow out, I love meat in the freezer. Yeah. I mean, no, that makes sense. So as soon as archery is over, kind of the bow goes away. Um, except Lake Sonoma, I'll bow hunt Lake Sonoma whenever that's opened up. Okay. Um, my cousin drew that tag for the deer hunt and we got into pigs and then I went back after the, uh, once the archery season opened up and I've been getting into pigs, I'd say almost every time, um, haven't connected on them, but I've gotten into them at least. Nice. So, but other than that, I'll kind of go. During archery season, I'll bow hunt, then come rifle. I'm I'm bringing the rifle out because I love pigs in the freezer. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm kind of the same way, dude. Like, I got I got a I got a bow so I can extend my season, but when rifle season hits, then the bow's going away. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't hit that point of where I enjoy the challenge of the bow hunt. Yeah, versus I love as much as I love the actual hunt. I still love just if I get an opportunity, I want most chance i can to put it in the freezer yeah for sure so and it's public land for the most part is where i hunt i hunt our ranch but the cats have done a number on pigs so yeah lately it's been more public with the pigs so that's hard enough adding bow hunting on it i know guys do it big time i just i still love smacking them yep yeah for sure yeah it sounds like a, a few different people i've heard talk about pig hunting lately is it sound, I, don't, I don't know what you've seen but it's some a lot of people have been saying like the pig numbers seem like they're down from the la, from the last few years does it seem like that to you or it it was a while ago for us at our ranch our ranch um they had a big uh depredation hunt i don't know a couple miles away uh-huh. and uh it went from when before i was legal to hunt to we drive around and kind of look at anyone that was pig hunting with us up there going, what do you want to shoot? A black boar, or a spotted one, a sow, do you want an 80 pounder? Like you pick and choose. Yeah. To now with us, it's, <laughs> if you see a pig, you better get your ass on them. And that's going to be your only opportunity now. Okay. So that I noticed on that spot, our ranch has declined majorly in the past 10 years. Um, the public spot, I don't know. It kind of seems like it comes down to the rain the year before and how much water is. I hunt. I like to hunt water or around water. Uh huh. So if there's water there, pigs have to cool down by water or springs at least. Yeah. So that's how I've always had really good luck on pigs is finding the springs during the hottest times of the year. And I have really good luck off that. Okay. And another area that 
I won't say the name of it. My buddies always say there's it's a public spot. There's no pigs. There's no pigs. They've trapped them. They've shot them. The cats. There's this and that. I've gotten into them almost every time on them. Uh huh. I don't know if it's just hunting the hot country. I kind of have a different way of hunting them, but I think it just depends on the area and the decline of the pigs. Yeah. Just kind of what, what it has to offer and how you hunt it. Okay. Yeah. That but makes I'm sense. used to, I'm used to the hot stuff. I'm used to hiking. I'm used to glassing. I'm not used to sitting in one spot. I'm always moving and glassing for the most part. So that's kind of how I think I stumble into these little, hot pockets of pigs yeah little honey holes <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 that's i found out turn your uh, gps stuff off on your pictures if you shoot something because guys definitely like to find that really yeah oh i found another dude going oh you're california hunting addiction i found the where you shot this pig from it's like oh can they see that from right. like if you when you post it on instagram or just through text on through facebook I've oh had, really some guys pull the pictures off of it. Yeah. See, I don't. I'm not even that tech, technologically advanced. Yeah, I, I never knew that was a thing. I just turned my location services off, and so far I haven't had an issue. So maybe. I, well, and when I post when I post the picture, I'll screenshot it from home before yeah. I post it. So I was like, all right, if anyone pulls anything, it's <laughs> coming to your house. house. <laughs> so good luck. Yeah, that's a good idea. But uh, whenever I'm like scouting or something and taking like scenic pictures, I'm like, I always try to think like, should I like not post this ridge? Like, is someone going to notice this ridge and this lake or what? Like, I don't know. Hey, some of my buddies that they've posted minimal stuff. It's, I'm like, Hey, you're hunting off of this road and this, and this area. They're like, how the hell do you know that? And random guys on, on, uh, instagram and now i'm hunting with them yeah <laughs> they're like oh we're hunting the same area i'm like yeah i was like hey have you guys seen this buck and they're like oh shit yeah we've seen that one so we're close oh, i don't know where you're hunting but we're close just from from backgrounds or whatever really? oh it's Ugh. i mean that was the spot i grew up riding dirt bikes at so yeah i knew i knew half that country like the back of my hand at least off the road so when someone posted the picture i was like oh i know where you're at yeah I started talking to him, and next thing we know, we're hunting the next couple of years and, <laughs> and going out together now. Oh, that's funny. Well, I don't, yeah, I, I don't kill anything anyway, so when people, <laughs> if they know where my pictures are, it's not going to make a difference. <laughs> After the social media thing, I've watched it with with those, uh, like the skyline pictures or, or big pictures that show a lot more stuff. I'm like, yep, I'm going to try to watch how I post stuff now. Yeah, that's funny. It's funny how guys can be like that. They'll they'll scour social media to pick pictures apart and go, all right, I know where he's at. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, that's funny. Well, I guess they still have to get the – yeah, I mean, they still have to put in work to get it done, but it's still annoying if they're like all of a sudden your your spot's a little bit more crowded because of a few pictures. <laughs> oh, in the beginning, I've, I've told dudes exactly where I've shot pigs at. And they've gone in and go, hey, it's all old sign. Like, there's no rooting. There's no this. There's no that. I'm like, well, yeah, there's no rooting because they're eating the top of the grass off. They're not going to root up stuff. But I shot a pig there last weekend. Yeah. And they'll go in trying to think that just because I gave them a good spot, they're going to kill something immediately. But yeah, there's still a lot of work on it. Hell, yeah. <laughs> how big is your guys? How big is your ranch? Is that, it's a ranch, like you said, you, you grew up on, or? Uh, yeah, so it's been in our family for, 
it was homesteaded in 1914. Oh, damn. Um, yeah, so it's been in our family for a while. Um, it's a section, so 640 acres. Oh, okay. So it's, it's a good section, but there's, I don't know, probably 10 of us that hunt it. Uh-huh. So there's still a good amount of us that that hunt it, but... Uh, but yeah, it's yeah, it's 640 acres, kind of in the transition area of the tree line to the brush line. So it's more of a passing area for pigs and deer. Okay. But we have a good amount of water that's consistent, and that helps hold the does in. Come the end of a zone is when we start really seeing the bucks because the does are there with the fawns. The bucks come in and they want to start chasing does. So that's when our kind of time to shine is yeah is is once we hit it and that's why it's hard to leave a zone or d zone because you kind of wait for that that weekend where it turns on for i don't know i don't know if it's the rut or the pre-rut but the yeah. bucks definitely have their nose up the dough and they're chasing them hard the biggest i mean i shot a buck that was a buck i want to buckle on that was 2016 he scored 120 uh-huh he he was a two by three and that was like one of the second biggest bucks that we've shot off our place okay and it was a buck we've never seen before never even seen anything of that caliber anywhere on our place Damn. um but it was just the rut the right doe pulled him in i seen him on a sunday night and i uh, had to go to work on monday so i came back after work on monday i hauled ass over and just happened to see him at our spring chasing a doe, and huh. uh, end up shooting him. I mean, he has like soda can bases. He's got an acorn kind of bulge on one side. Yeah, uh, just a a buck that you look at and it's like, holy, where did you? For us, it's where did you come from? Yeah, for a blacktail. It's, yeah. Oh my! In our normal buck up there, I don't know. A big buck is one twenty gutted, one hundred twenty pounds gutted. Yeah. And that's rare. This buck ended up weighing 141 pounds gutted. Wow. And we'll make a backpack out of them. We'll cut the back hocks, throw the front legs in after we break the knuckles, and throw them on our back and pack them out. Yeah. I couldn't even get this buck up on my back. <laughs> it, it was everything I could do, and I was like, well, I started calling my cousins and my family. I'm like, hey, who can come out here on a Monday night and help me pack this buck out? Yeah. This was before all the backpacks and everything. I was like, I'm going to drag him out. It's going to take me a while, but yep. I'm going to drag him out. I should have mounted him. I'm still kicking myself to this day. I did a Euro mount, but I should have mounted him. Yeah. Um, I still can if I find the right cape, but yep. it's hard for our area to find. If I'm going to put a cape on him, I want to find a cape from our ranch to, to put on him just to kind of do him justice of the same area. Hell yeah. But, uh, yeah, that buck was – the rut does weird things with deer. It pulls deer from all sorts of areas. Yeah, no kidding, huh? You guys you, – you, so you're probably able to run some cameras and stuff on, on there, huh, on your ranch? We, we do. Um, I mean, my cousin does, and he'll check it at the end of the season just to kind of be like, hey, let's see what we missed. Yeah. Um, I'll run them every once in a while, but for us it's not – I mean, maybe during archery season, it'll be consistent. Yeah. We'll be like, all right, yeah, we have a fork and horn or a group two. Like one year, I think we had three fork and horns in velvet coming into the same water. 
Okay. But it's not like we'll walk in there and sit on that water for the whole day. Yeah. It's we like the spot and stock and that's kind of how we grew up hunting. We'll walk we have a really long ridge line and two really big canyons that we hunt. So we'll walk in glass and and if we see a buck we'll try to cut him off or try to figure a way out to get in on him. Yeah. But we've never done the stand hunts to it's thick enough to where we can't sit on it and the winds out there we've had the place so since 1914 we've shot two bucks with a bow off that place okay the winds are so unreal up there the thermals they swirl up they come back down yeah it's it's so hard i can't i honestly can't even count how many stocks i've been on and uh never shot a buck i shot one buck i think it was last year i lost it was a super hard quartering two shot and I tried to sneak it in with my bow between his shoulder blade and his neck uh-huh. and it, the arrow damn near stopped. We found blood for about 500 yards and then it just quit. There's nothing left. There was nothing there. And as much as it sucked, there's nothing else we could do. We tried to glass. We watched for birds, never seen anything. Yeah. Um, but bow hunting up there is, for us at least, it's hard. It's doable, but I got four, two uncles and two cousins that bow hunt, and they they they're hardcore as anyone else can get, and yeah. will kill stuff any other zone or any other state. But for whatever it is with our with our ranch, the winds are our biggest nemesis. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the hardest thing. It's it's the weirdest thing. It's but, frustrating too, huh? Oh my god. I've I can't count probably how many times I've been within forty yards or thirty yards waiting for a buck to stand up and next thing you know the wind hits the back of my neck and the buck is gone. Yep. <laughs> and they're not even old bucks. They're it could be anywhere from a spike fork to a sixteen to seventeen inch forking horn. As soon as they smell you, no matter how dumb they are, they're out of there. Yeah. We're lucky to have that place. We yeah. definitely are a lot more than everyone hunting public. I'll hunt both, but yeah, yeah having our ranch, we've I've had a lot more experience being able to hunt that. I'm super fortunate to yeah, have that thinking, to be able to learn deer. Yeah, I was just thinking like it's probably a good opportunity to learn and just just get outside more and and learn and and uh, it is it's, it's place what kept me out of trouble. Yep, exactly. For the most part, I mean. I never did sports. I wrestled a little bit. I ran cross country, but the only reason why I did either of those was to be in shape for deer season. Hell yeah. I never did any other sports because it got in the way of deer season and I was not about that. No, nope. <laughs> my whole life and it's still my whole life is all about hunting. Yeah. Hell yeah. I know. I wish I would have gotten into it earlier. Freaking love it, man. It's addicting. That's for sure. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, shit, dude. I think we're already hour and a half. Oh, shit. <laughs> Time flies on these things. Oh, it uh, definitely does. But, yeah, man. I don't know. I mean, do you have anything else you want to cover or talk about? Or I don't know. I just I feel like with the guys on social media is, yeah. is don't get discouraged on what you're seeing getting posted on other pages, whether it's mine or Like negativity or stuff or it's just, yeah, negativity and, and the kind of bucks or the caliber of bucks that are getting posted just on the deer hunting side is 
Yeah. I, I'm trying to share as much as I can. Right now, it's hard with me and work trying to share everything, get caught up on everything. But yep. no matter what you shoot, just be proud of what you shoot. Oh, yeah. Because you took that life of the animal. And I always see it. It's it's not the biggest buck, but yeah, <laughs> I I can't stand that. I'm, I'm the first one to say I've shot a 12-inch wide fork and horn. Yeah. And I'm proud of that buck as any other buck I've shot. Just be proud of what it is and and share it and share your story because that's the cool thing that kind of unites everyone together is yep. is what you've shot. Yeah, if you got if you like you were saying earlier, like if it if it gets me excited, I'm sh- I'm shooting it, dude. I don't even especially if it's archery, it's like, dude, if it's got like oh, it's, one little tiny fork on one side, that's all it's gonna that, take for me. For rifle, I'll hold out, but archery season, if I see a spike fork that is legal, I'm going to get a stock on, and I'm going to shoot it. Archery is hard enough for me, and I'm still trying to get my feet wet, Yep. but I'm going to shoot here. the first buck I can just to, just to get my experience and build my confidence up. Yep. No, I'm the same way. And just don't be ashamed of it. That's the biggest thing. It's It's hard to see that. It's hard to see even the younger guys that are just getting into hunting. Uh-huh. Or not even just anyone getting into hunting that'll post the buck going, oh, it's not the biggest, and they're trying to hide the embarrassment, or what, even the guys, the dumbasses that are saying, oh, why'd you shoot that? It has milk on your lips. Yeah. <laughs> no one knows what. It could be the dude's first time out hunting. Uh, I mean. I, I know sometimes be, people are, like, joking when they say that, and it's kind of funny, but, like, yeah, like, if they're being serious and they're giving someone a hard time because they shot something small, like, dude. Get over yourself, man. Yeah, and I've caught myself in that at times. And yeah, it's if you don't have the time to hunt, and that was that that dude's only weekend that he can get off work and shot the first illegal buck that he's seen. It's, yep. Don't don't bash the dude for it, and just be proud of what you shot and just run with it. Oh hell Screw yeah! Everyone else that talks crap about you, just run with it. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. So yeah, yep. that's kind of my last uh, last little thought i could say with that yeah hell yeah man well yeah i appreciate you coming on and i and i uh yeah like i said i i like your i like what you're doing with the page i think it's cool it's it's sort of like inspired me in a way like like i said i kind of think the podcast is almost like similar it's just like you know in audio form but it's like it's fun to be able to share other people's stories and get to know people and meet meet people in the in the the community and uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm liking it. Every, everything's been positive so far. Like a lot of people say like, you know, like there's I, negative I things it. and I don't see that much. I don't know. I just pay attention to positive things. So I just give it time. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've seen it with me with some of the stuff I've shot. I've got a lot of negative, but yeah, that's what I liked about your podcast. And same with Andy's from Legion is yeah. You're, you're showing that the average Joe, not, not the big, I mean, the big name social media guys, which I kind of, I guess I get grouped into that category, but I feel like I'm not. You get to see the everyday guys hunts or successful yeah. stories. And that's what I love to see. Yeah. I, as much as I love watching those cool videos on YouTube or TV, I love hearing the guy that shot that, the first buck that was 80 pounds. That's a 12 inch wide buck. I get more out of it and the more kind of what hunting's about. Yeah, like people people can relate to it a little bit more, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's what I love about the social media is I get to see all of that, and that's the cool part. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's one one thing I uh, I talking to Andy like that's one thing I liked about him him and Anthony's well Anthony's not with him anymore but their podcast is like it's like kind of the same thing like you said like you know just kind of every day you know I mean he gets some big names on there too especially now but yeah but he um he's down to earth and I like what he's doing over there as well yeah good no, stuff that's, that, that's what I love and I hope it can stick kind of to that way is just to show the the average Joe, I guess, kind of story. Yeah. And even the big name guys, that's cool to see too, but that's what I get hooked on is the average Joe, the first, second, third buck kind of stories. That's what gets me drawn into it. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Or just, yeah, just like we were saying earlier, like I get a ton out of just like seeing what other people in the area, like, you know, in our general area or whatever in California, just how how their success is going and like, you know, like when I get down and feel like, feel like I'm just, you know, you get frustrated. You see people succeed, and you're like, okay, I just need to push myself a little bit more. There's deer out there, and that's what I like. I try to do as much as I can. As I know, I I get behind on posts and stuff, and of course, the bigger bucks that you I post will get more likes. But I love seeing those bucks that the guy sitting there with the big shit and she shit eating grin yeah of the spike fork that he worked his ass off for yeah. i love seeing that hell yeah so it's, do just, I. it's just more of the uh what it's about not the big trophy pictures which everyone would love to get yeah that's not what everyone can get and that's what i love about it yep exactly yeah when you see someone have that have that excitement it kind of reminds you of like whatever your first buck or whatever whatever experiences you've had that have been similar you know it's like you, you get that excitement, you know. Oh, I shot a twelve-inch wide buck, my first archery A-zone buck. It was a maybe a twelve-inch wide forking horn, and I was screaming my head off on the side of that hill once I found him. <laughs> like it was the biggest buck I ever shot, and I can relate to that with any buck that anyone shot that has that same excitement. It's yeah, it don't matter how big it is. It all all it comes down to is how it made you feel and how proud you are for all the work that you put in for that. Yep. I promise you, the next one I get, I'm gonna be. I'll pro- I'll probably turn my phone on and record some freaking embarrassing video of myself screaming like that too. <laughs> oh, I got a couple. I got a turkey one. I got a pig one. I got that first A zone archery buck. I should probably share it again. Yeah. Of how you can just see that shitty grin on my face, or it's like, I can't believe I did it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You should post it again. Be like, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? <laughs> Shit, brain fart, man. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I think I was just gonna say, yeah, like I, the last couple of years, I've I've had a dry spell, so I think for sure that next one is gonna be <laughs> me screaming, like you said, like a little girl on the side of a hill. Oh, I think I shot my. I started shooting archery in '09, uh-huh. and I. I got to look at the date again, but I want to say it was around 2014 is when I shot my first buck with a bow. Okay. So the struggles there, I mean, it's not as much as social media shows all the success. I mean, yeah, there's definitely the struggle out there. I got a little lucky with pigs on public land, but that was just more time in the field than anything else. Hell yeah. But but archery-wise with deer, it, as much as social media makes it look easy for some post or whoever you follow, 
it's definitely a struggle. I've only shot two bucks with a bow. So it's, yeah, it's not easy. I feel it. Yeah. I feel it and I see it with everyone else. Hell yeah. Well, getting on those pigs as much as you are probably helps with your, helps your skill level on stocking and little confidence and stuff like that too for deer, right? It does, but I get buck fever like no other. Yeah. <laughs> I, when it comes to a deer, I shake like no other. It's, I do it's too. unreal. And one, even on pigs. I mean, I'm the same way from the pit first pig I shot to the last one I shot was that last year with my bow. I was shaking like crazy. I and I've always told myself the day I stop getting buck fever is the day I quit hunting. Yeah. Yeah, last year last year during archery I was just I wasn't seeing anything and then all of a sudden uh my bow was like 5 feet away from me and all of a sudden I hear a, I heard something running and the wind was blowing up up the canyon and like blowing my scent up the hill and and a buck smelled, he smelled me, but he didn't know where I was. So he he ran like eight yards in front of me. Oh, <laughs> and it was a nice four by four in velvet, dude. And I was like, sh- oh, I was shaking like, like you said, like just un- like, I was shaking like uncontrollably. I couldn't get to my bow because it was, I was glassing down, down into the basin. I was just waiting to see something and then I was going to try to make a play on it or something. And then, yeah, out of nowhere, that buck runs in front of me and dude, I was just shaking like, for like 10 15 minutes dude just hardcore <laughs> i i guided i guided for a junior hunt through fishing game in uh gilroy and uh-huh. uh i was with the kid that shot his first buck um and he was cool calm and collected like i've never seen a kid that was his family was so into hunting he shot his first buck and the buck dumped and i kind of looked over him like holy crap like awesome shot and we started walking down to the buck and we kind of stopped maybe 30 yards away from him he looked over at me and he goes are my knees supposed to shake this hard and i look (laughs) over at him and i swear to god his knees were hitting each other he had the buck fever after i looked at him and kind of smiled i'm like i hope you never forget this that's exactly what it's all about and that's that's why i hunt i love that excitement yeah dude seriously that is that I mean, what else gives you that feeling, dude? Nothing. There's nothing like that. This was, I don't remember who I was talking to, but like, I feel like I've done a lot of things like, you know, all kinds of adrenaline seeking things in life, like riding dirt bikes or all kinds of stuff. And like, nothing makes you feel like that, dude. It's fucking awesome. Oh, if they can bottle that up, I'd be broke as hell. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I honestly would be because I, it's, there's nothing like it getting in on an animal and being able to shoot it and, and kill it there's there's nothing like it yeah but it's like like uh it's almost it's not even it's just being just seeing him that close to me does it like i was saying that deer just ran in front of me and i freaking shook for 15 minutes dude <laughs> i didn't I, even pull the trigger i didn't pull it uh, pull the limbs back or nothing and when i was on doing those junior hunts um with pigs turkeys and even deer I feel like I got buck fever more than the kids did watching some of these bucks walk in or the turkeys come into the calls or getting in on pigs. I'm sitting here all jacked up trying yeah. to calm myself down for the kids going, all right, put it behind the shoulders, squeeze the trigger or wait for them to turn before you bring your gun up. And yeah. I felt like I was more jacked up than them. And, and that's <laughs> what I love. I love that, that whole connection that we have with what we're doing. Yeah. It's, it's I I can't get over it. And if I, it's what I've always said. If I ever stop getting buck fever, 
that's the day I stop hunting. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's for me at least. That's what it's all about. Yep, that's what makes all those hours and all those horrible hikes and <laughs> everything else worth it when you finally get that moment. It's when it all pays off. No matter what you do, it's what it pays off for. Hell yeah, yeah. But yeah, dude, I appreciate you uh, coming on and recording and yeah like i said yeah I pre- look forward to meeting I, you definitely i appreciate you for having me on this this has been fun it's awesome to to talk to other guys and kind of share the stories of kind of where i've come from and hopefully help other people out where i can yeah hell yeah yeah I was, yeah part of the part of the the thing about doing the podcast is like I know for me, like I didn't grow up in a hunting family or anything. So it's like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's nice to like show newer hunters too, like, you know, that you don't really have to have, I mean, obviously it's nice to have a mentor or whatever, but you don't have to, you can like learn all this stuff from podcasts and learn from other people in the community or just watch YouTube videos and learn some of this stuff and go out and do it. And, um, exactly. I've always kind of said it it always kind of comes down to how bad do you want it? Yeah. It's, it's, if you want to get into hunting, but you're always that guy that's going, Hey, where do I go? Or you're not willing to put that work in. And there's other guys going, all right, I'm going to try here, here, and here. It's, it's how bad do you want it? How bad are you willing to work for this public land hunt or this draw to get access on private? How bad do you want to do it? Yeah. And that's kind of where I've, where I've kind of sat back and seen a lot of people succeed that way. Yep. Yeah. And I wonder, I don't know. It's like, sometimes I, I, I mean, I'll obviously like I was drawn to do it for whatever reason, but it's like, I don't know if people, it's, it's almost like the draw got even stronger after I got my first deer though. Like, like, I don't know what drew me to want to do it so bad up until that point, you know, like now that I got a, like, once you get your first deer, obviously that feeling is crazy. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. You like become addicted after that. So, but like it's when the stars align, and you start figuring everything out. Yeah, but like for me, it, get, yeah, like for me, get, go ahead. Sorry, no, it's all good. Just getting started into it. Into it for me was like, I don't know. I think just just camping and stuff, being younger, and then like I think well, I think I had like a Cabela's catalog for my my uncle or something. I remember driving on a road trip, just looking at like all those canvas tents and like wood burning stoves and stuff. And just thinking like, man, that looks freaking awesome to be out in the woods, like elk hunting or deer hunting in the, and so like that kind of stuff, like just the idea of it sort of had, has always drawn me to like big game hunting, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, I was in the same boat. I'm the youngest of the guy cousins. So all my uncles and cousins got to do out-of-state stuff before I did, and I always got to sit back and and kind of watch all that unfold and never yeah. get to do it with them. And now they're getting older, they're not able to do it as much. But it's like, oh, I want to do that. That's Once I get old enough and I get a good job, I, I want to do that. Yeah. So One more year left of your apprenticeship, and there you'll be. Oh, Idaho, Arizona, Nevada, everything starts falling in line, hopefully. Hell yeah. Yeah, I need to start doing the out-of-state thing too, man. I've never put in yet for out-of-state, so I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. Yeah, I haven't either. I I finally have a Go Hunt membership, and I started digging into it this year. Um, I think I've talked about this a couple times on the podcast, but I uh, 
just we're just trying to save up and pay some credit cards off right now, and and then probably I'm th- I'm thinking next year for sure I'll at least start putting points in, or at least try to do an one at least one over the counter, like you know even if it's Arizona or whatever. Almost. That's I'm in the I'm in the same boat. I bought my dad's old truck and rebuilt it, and uh-huh. now it's it works great for me, but not where I want it to run. So now I got to go buy something newer just so it's a little more reliable for my further drive. So it kind of pushed me back on where I wanted to be, wanted to be for applying for hunts and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, yeah, the funding's a huge part. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Right on. Thanks right for having on, me on. Yeah. Thanks for coming or thanks for, uh, for joining me. <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right, dude. <laughs> If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to me on Instagram at mountain.vision or my personal Instagram page at Blue Collar Harvester. Look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening.